Right here on Freight Waves TV, live on What the Truck. I'm Dooner here with the dude. Hey, beautiful spring day here in Chattanooga, <laughs> the heart of Freight Alley. Ah. What's going on, brother? Hey, did you have a good Mother's Day? I did. Yeah, I had a great one, and more importantly, my wife did. Yeah, what'd you get her? I uh, built her a porch swing, man. Ooh, let's see. Look. Oh, do we got a picture? Yeah, there it is. Go. Check that out. It's the size of a twin bed. And that must have cost like millions of dollars. Not, it was, dude, it was about $140 in lumber. That's it. How much would that have cost before the, the lumber reckoning that we're in right now? Probably about 50 bucks. <laughs> really? It's, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it would have been significantly cheaper, but it, I mean, it's not treated wood. So yeah. it's, you know what I mean? I'm not that handy. You know, we went to the Chattanooga Lookouts game, yeah. and it was significant for a couple things. It was a great time to get together with the wife and kids, but it's also the first time any of us had been at an event. Attendance yeah. there was 2,500 2500 people. And, uh, yeah. Over a year before having any sort of gathering like that, it was kind of nice. And, you know, it was nice for my wife because everyone at the stadium was like, happy Mother's Day, wishing her a happy Mother's Day. And I think a lot of moms, when they, they go to the games with dad and the kid, they're kind of like in the more stressful role. They're kind of the babysitter. Yeah. They're the runs the concession stand person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she had like the full day off, had a great time. It was awesome. But you know what? Not everyone had a great time. The uh, Colonial Pipeline didn't have a great time. We're oh, going to no, talk to Daniel Sand's going to run the news for us. We'll get to him in just a second. We just got to tip the band here. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Ooh, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. All right, time to crack the whip. Bull whip time. Daniel Stanton. What is going on? What is ransomware as a service? What's happening with this pipeline? And can we have any more disruptions in the supply chain? Can we turn the difficulty up any more? Oh, my goodness. The, the bullwhip is back. It never went, but it, it's hitting us again. You're absolutely right. Anybody that hasn't heard yet. So there's this pipeline uh, called the Colonial Pipeline that runs from Texas all the way up the East Coast. It's how we get about 50% of our fuel over here on the eastern part of the country. So that's gasoline, diesel fuel, jet fuel, um, they got hit on Friday with a malware attack, which is a, 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 you know, a kind of virus, uh, a, a ransomware. So you know, basically the way these things go is you know, you, you're sitting in front of your computer, it locks up, you get a message that says, pay me a whole bunch of Bitcoin or Doge or, uh, or, or else all your files are going to be deleted. Um, and so they've shut the entire pipeline down. Federal government is heavily involved, FBI, Department of Energy, trying to figure it out. But at the end of the day, what's where we're at three days later on Monday is there is no fuel flowing through like that 5,500, I think, mile pipeline. Um, good news is we've got inventory, right? I mean, there's fuel sitting in depots and gas stations. So that acts like a shock absorber. Nobody's going to feel it immediately. Unless there's a panic, right, and everybody runs out and tries to fill up their tank now when there's nothing flowing in. Um, but the bad news is we're three days into it, still no clear indication of, of uh, when it's going to be resolved. Just as, uh, you know, sort of a reference point, a couple of years ago, Maersk was hit with this same sort of attack. It took them 10 days to get their systems back online. So um, the estimate is, you know, if this goes on for five days, 
we can probably handle it with the inventory we have in the system. Over five days, we're going to start seeing stockouts, and it's going to create some problems. Wow. Now, we had inventory right before uh, everybody started buying everything online, sitting at home, getting their stimulus check, right? And yeah. it just drained it. So uh, th- it drains it. What's it look like? Even if it comes back on in like, seven days, something like that, what what what, what are the effects that are going to happen even after, you know, you, you said, we can handle the five, we got the reserves, but if it comes in and five and those are gone, yeah. now what happens? I I mean, the knock-on effects for something like this, you know, you, you really can see how, how it can blow up in a hurry. So um, one of the things that, you know, uh, is it, just interesting about the, the dynamic is, you know, when they refine fuel and push it up the pipeline, these things are sort of dependent on one another, right? It's, you know, they make a certain amount of gasoline, a certain amount of diesel, a certain amount of jet fuel. And so... Like, you know, they they have to, um, for their manufacturing processes, have some kind of balance there. Um, So if you start to run out of fuel, let's say you run out of diesel. Well, all of a sudden, what's happening with the trucks that are supposed to be draying cargo in and out of the ports? Mm. If you run out of jet fuel, well, what about those cargo aircraft sitting on the uh, on the tarmac? That are supposed to be moving, you know, the, you know, maybe it's stuff for e-commerce, maybe it's coronavirus vaccine, right? So when you start running out of fuel, it it can really shut down the supply chain locally, but that can quickly have knock-on effects. Here's another one that just, you know, really scares the bejesus out of me, which is, you know, what if, you know, you're you're driving a truck and and you've got a load out to the east coast. You get here, you do your drop off, you do a pickup, but you can't get fuel to, you know, get to your next stop. Right. So having these sort of localized disruptions can actually have big impacts nationally and globally. Well, firstly, hours of service have been waived um, in light of this pipeline cyber mm-hmm. attack in 17 different states for people handling relief for that. So that's pretty good. Check the article on FreightWaves.com about that. But let's talk a little bit about RAS, ransomware as a service, because we hear about these attacks, but they don't happen in a vacuum. They're only escalating. They're only causing more money. You look at the Suez Canal. We just talked about this on Friday. You hear disruptions, yeah. $400 million an hour ransomware as a service sounds like a pretty good business if you've got no morals. Oh, I, well, I mean, that's the key and, and, and really no law enforcement, right. Yeah. Or, 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 or government oversight. Um, it's a big problem. And, and you know, it, it's something that my security friends have been talking about a lot. We have a lot of these conversations behind closed doors about vulnerability of infrastructure. They talk about it generally as infrastructure. Of course, I, I think of it in terms of supply chains and, 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 and the, um, the infrastructure that supports them. Um, it's a big issue. Lots of companies and lots of even governments have been hit by these ransomware attacks. By and large, they don't want to publicize it, right? You don't want to make a big deal. It's, it's, it's not good press, but we know that it's happening a lot more. And for the, the, the criminals, it's a great business because they're not getting caught. Um, and, um, and it works, right? Be- because you look at it and you say, like, I- I've heard um, uh, from, from hospitals that got hit in the middle of COVID with these ransomware attacks. And, you know, what, what is it worth to have your information systems back online in a day versus a week? 
if you're a hospital that's overrun with COVID cases, right? So um, it, it, it is a, a big business. It's working. You know, they're, they're, um, it, it's, it's this overlap between information technology, information security, and supply chains. As we, as we automate more, as we become more dependent on information technology to drive our supply chains, we really need to think about resilience and security and how to protect ourselves from these sorts of threats. Gosh, we, I mean, we've been beating this drum for, for so many months in a oh, row, yeah. especially during COVID. But every time yeah. a ransomware attack happens, they're becoming more and more challenging to handle. There's an entire industry like this dark side company or dark seed, dark side. They're baking the ransomware as a service. They liken themselves as white hat hackers, that they're giving a lot of the money back to charity and all of those kind of things. It yeah. creates this really, really dangerous environment to to operate in um, there, the, the, the CEO of the pipeline, he says, bringing our full systems back online, we'll, we'll do it when we believe it's safe and in full compliance with the, so he's not saying anything, with the approval right. of all federal regulations. Yeah. So we don't know. But Daniel, you've been doing some good write-ups on this on LinkedIn. People who want to connect with you there, where should we send them to? Uh, absolutely. So find my LinkedIn profile. You can go to my company page, Mr. Supply Chain. Um, and, and I'm uh, put my, my newsletter Wednesday is going to be about cybersecurity. And I've got an interview with one of my LinkedIn learning colleagues, Lisa Bach, who's an expert on penetration testing. And so we're going to talk about, you know, what are the things that companies can can do to build uh, cybersecurity frameworks? And how do you get into that business if you truly want to be on the side of protecting your infrastructure from these threats? Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for jumping on the show with us today. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, now we're going to get a view from the cab. Uh, He's a tanker driver. I don't know if Taylor Barker, if he drives fuel, if he'll be impacted by this pipeline at all. But let's talk to him. Let's see what's going on. And if he's uh, if he's going to have any involvement in this or if a situation like this concerns him as a tanker driver. Taylor, what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? I mean, oh, look at that. You got Bambino Cattle Company going on. You got the Tennessee flag, the three (laughs) stars. What's on the Oh, what Detroit? You got the greatest shirt in the game on your chest. Hey. I come prepared today. What's on the What's on the hats too? My hat a, is I wear this. A lot of people think I wear the same hat all the oh, time. Road pro. Road pro. Road pro. But but to be honest with you, I got a bunch of them. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, oh, so you can switch. You're like Pee Wee Herman when he opens his closet. You had all the, the same suits in there. You got all this. Yeah. So, tell. Let me ask you something. You're going to play it forward, and I know you have a great track for us. But uh, just in light of this pipeline news, this, this attack, do you pull you pull any gas or diesel in your tankers, or do you think you'll be impacted at all? I do not. I, I do not pull gas or diesel, but I do pull from the refineries. I may pull motor oil or transmission fluid or, or, or kerosene. Uh, uh, I, I pull different things from the refineries. And to be honest with you, so far, I've this is the first I'm hearing from it. If it kind of gives you an idea of how informed I stay on this. And if it was a big topic, <laughs> uh, we would get newsletters across our, our people net, you know, but uh yeah, we know so. uh, it's, it it's one of those ones that it happened on a Thursday, but the news didn't really come out till the weekend news cycle. Yeah. It was Mother's Day weekend. So it, it, it got kind of buried. We noticed like in our, you know, in our own traction, when you when you look at how articles do like on the site or on social media, not a ton of interest in it yet. But I guess it's because people aren't getting hit. I mean, the second people go to a gas station, you can't get gas or trucks show up and they can't get filled. They're gonna be like that. That'll be a big issue. Uh, we just talked to Daniel Stanton. He said, hopefully it won't be so. Hopefully it won't, but let's hear a track from you. We'll we'll play it and then we'll talk to you a little bit about it. So let's roll the tape. Okay. 
By the time I made it home You were already in bed Your chubby cheeks pressed to your pillow By a bedtime book you'd read And I noticed that you look older Than you did yesterday You're growing up While I was away You made a pile of leaves In the front yard I guess it's already fall And by the look of those pictures Your mama took The two of you had a ball And it made me glad But a little sad to see those games you played i missed a lot of those smiles wow i mean that's like uh you know before we went on air daniel had heard that song daniel stanton the previous guest and he was like it reminded him a bit of cats in the cradle you know that that your your child not growing up we were on the road do you have kids taylor like as a father i really felt that song I got a, a 28 year old daughter and a 15 year old son which i recently got custody of and uh and my whole focus on the road has changed. Uh, uh, having children and having custody of them is two different things. Uh, it's a big responsibility. And, uh, and that song is actually, uh, I recorded that to, uh, uh, because of my son, actually. And I actually recorded it right here in my truck. Yeah. Uh, Did you? I mean, that studio that... set up here. Yeah, it sounded awesome, and it, and it was great because, it, like you, like Dooner said, as as a father, it really hits you. Yeah. Right now, I'm not away from my kids that much, but no, you can imagine how tough it is uh, being a trucker and being on the road and keeping things moving. So I, you know, we appreciate that, and we appreciate that sacrifice that you've made. How, how do you cope, Wait, oh. Taylor? How do you cope with that, man? Being being on the road now. I mean, your song brings up a really strong topic that that affects every single drive team. That's uh uh. I really don't know how to answer that question. I, I just do, you know, and, and I'll tell you, like this morning you called me and, uh, and I was like, Oh man, that's today. <laughs> you know, yeah. time goes yeah. by so fast and you go home and your, your kids are small. And then next thing you know, they're, they're just growing up and while, while you're gone. And it's just, and actually that song was written by Zane Williams from Texas. And, uh, that's actually, I wished I would have wrote that song, but, uh, uh, that's the song that I won the uh, 2019 Overdrive competition in Dallas with. Uh, just a just a great song from Zane Williams, and uh, it, it just uh, it tells the story. If I had to tell you what it was like, that's, that's the song it. I would play. Yeah, no, yeah. and your voice is tremendous for that song. I, I really liked it. I really love it. I, I guess part of that motivation, and you know, being a father and having those children, uh, brings you really. Uh, let's talk about your work and your spokesman for. Uh, Attica as yeah. well, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? What the motivation yeah. is and what you're yeah. doing there? I didn't know you knew that. <laughs> Attica, uh, Rodney Timms. Uh, so I, I got a, I got an email from uh, Kenny Gaynor, uh, who is actually now Kenny Mon. Congrats, Kenny. Uh, with a video of this man talking about child abuse. And you know how it is. You get videos from a thousand people and you're like, oh, okay, I watch five seconds of it. If it don't get me. Well, this video is 30 minutes long and uh, – I watched it three times. It was so mm. powerful. So I, I reached out to Rodney and we got to uh, build a relationship. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm their spokesperson for Attica, all truckers together against child abuse. Uh, it's just, uh, if there's anything in this world that we protect above and beyond our personal assets, it's our children. 
-hmm. you know, uh, you have to, and if we don't protect them, who will? So uh, Attica is, is an awareness organization that um, helps you look for signs of child abuse that are right in front of your eyes. You may see these kids every day and never know because you don't know what to look for. Taylor, so what are what they on me is dedicated to life. Taylor, what are they? Cause that, that can be, that can be a tough situation for some people. Um, recognizing those signs, but then also taking the action of, of mm -hmm. telling someone about those signs. A lot of people are like, you know, it's none of my, my business. When should they make it their business and, and who should they contact? Well, you know, uh, if you see a sign and this is just me personally, I'm not recommending this for anybody, but I, I've got this motto. Uh, the answer is always no, so to speak, if you don't ask. So if I see what I think is a sign, they can't beat me up for asking. You know, yeah. for talking to, it's not a gets a lot of talk to a child and just ask them. I mean, I'm just that kind of person because I'd rather be that jerk than, uh, than, and then allow this kid to, to, to continue to be abused. I'm, that's just me. I, I just, I'm real passionate for that, uh, for protecting our children. Yeah. So, uh, and you can check them out at attica.org, A-T-T-A-C-A.org -A -A and, uh, and, and become a member. Well, here, we'll cheer you up a little bit, or, or maybe we, we won't. We'll bring some levity to this now. Dogecoin, <laughs> do Dogecoin, you have had a very oh. contentious relationship with my favorite <laughs> altcoin. I don't know if you've made money or lost money based on <laughs> your, your trading trajectory. It is. <laughs> you seem to love it and you seem to hate it. Tell me about why truckers love Dogecoin so much. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you were, you were talking about the oil cup and the pipeline getting hacked. <laughs> Well, I just found this new server called Hotbit, and they just got hacked and shut down everything. So oh. all my money's invested in Hotbit. Well, not all of it, but and they just got hacked, and it's oh. been down for like twelve days. So, uh, so I had to reinvest in Dogecoin, okay. and I got ready for the big Elon day. You know, we're gonna double, triple our money because it's going to the moon. Mm -hmm. Well, I went to Chicago. It got off to Chicago, <laughs> man. <laughs> Is is dangerous. <laughs> well, you're doing you're doing some of the uh, like the altcoins like Safer Moon too. You're doing like the real risky yeah. ones. You're really you are, are you you're not putting a ton of money in these though, are you? Uh, well, you know when you got six and seven zeros after the decimal, <laughs> uh, you know I got like seventy five billion shares of Safe Moon. Yeah. For like. <laughs> Ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'll buy a Charleston shoe, or maybe I'll get some more. Maybe I'll get a couple hundred thousand Safe Moon coins. <laughs> yeah, you know, people are like, yeah, I got, you know, I got twenty five thousand Doge coins. I mean, that ain't nothing, man. I got, you know, seven hundred fifty billion <laughs> yeah. uh, ship coins. <laughs> well, Taylor, Taylor, you're doing the you're doing the Lord's work out there, and I'm I'm really glad. I mean, your song was awesome. I'm really glad that you shed some light too on this child abuse issue and and how truckers are getting involved with it. Amen. People who want to follow you, they want to get some more information. Where should I send them to? Uh, Taylor Built, T A Y L O R B I L T, like Peter Built, spelled yep. the same way. Taylor Built at Twitter. Uh, I don't really do Facebook. Uh, yep. You know, I used to do Facebook, but LinkedIn. Since I seen you on LinkedIn, I started doing a little LinkedIn, uh, following you there, and it uh, grew a little bit. But Twitter's where I'm at. Yeah, same. Here. I like Twitter because you can be ridiculous there. LinkedIn, when you want to be a little bit more, you know, on the rails. <laughs> well, you know, it's all I can do to not tweet or to not post about. Dogecoin on LinkedIn. I try yeah. to reserve that for to, to that's where I wear my suit and tie, so to speak. <laughs> well, Taylor, thank you once but, again for being a, a great correspondent for the show and being some of our eyes and ears. We really appreciate it today, man. Drive safe out there. Hey guys, 
big fan of you guys. Love you guys. See you now. Take it easy. Thank you, man. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Awesome stuff and great, great song. Hey, Vincent, great, great you, you booked our next guest here. Why don't you do the big intro? I, I will. So next we've got uh, Steve Cox, president of Steam Logistics, and Jason Provenshaw, who's CEO at Steam Logistics, right here, our own uh, in Chattanooga. Steam Logistics right here. Both of them are veterans from uh, the Access America days and started Steam and growing it up right here, my friends. I, I thought I recognized Steve running down the streets here holding we, a flag. I, I think we have we may have a picture that some people may have noticed. Oh, there he is wow. right there. If you don't recognize him fully clothed, you certainly recognize this one right here. There he is, carrying the steam banner right down Market Street here. Wow. There must have been a reason behind this, so let's bring them on no, and find this out. Was, that was this morning on his way to work. I, I clicked that out of the... That's how you normally... Come yeah, cutting down his carbon footprint. <laughs> Good hey, morning. guys. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? That's my every morning commute. It, it is, yeah. Like... <laughs> Like Dooner said, taking down that carbon footprint by uh, just jogging into work with every your own day. footprint. Uh, you know, yeah, recruiting recruiting brokers. <laughs> hey, recruiting brokers is 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 difficult these days, right? You've got all these all these things that are going on here, and and the 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 more capacity and and more and more uh, shippers looking to get the intermediaries to help them with that capacity, that type of stuff. So. Uh, you know, aside from jogging into work in your speedos, uh, Steve, carrying that flag to bring in more brokers, um, you guys don't have a, a, a non-compete, do you? I mean, is that a sign of a weak brokerage if you have a non-compete? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we, we do not have a non-compete. Obviously, we have a non-solicit of employees and customers, but we just don't believe in a non-compete because uh, one of the things is when you're hiring a kid right out of college, uh, I don't think they even know what they're signing, right? Uh, they, they certainly don't understand that they might not be able to work in, in the industry for six months or a year or two years. So uh, we just don't do that to people. It, we've always said, if you want to go work somewhere else, uh, you know, it's certainly an, a, a free country. So uh, that that's kind of our stance on an uncompete. Yeah, I mean, we just feel like it, um, the onus is on us to create an environment where people want to stay. And if we're not doing that, then, you know, we, we shouldn't be holding them hostage with a, with a non-compete. But those are just becoming more and more pervasive from, from what we're seeing on our side. Yeah, I'll, look, I'll give you a little cowbell for that. I Amen. went up in the Boston area when I was working as a broker. I was stuck under those. It always made things challenging. Yeah. It always made them uncomfortable. They were hard to enforce, but they could create hard conversations with your new job. It was just... It was a pain. And look, we all know it's a small industry, you know, and if yeah. you have to leave one place to another market, you can't stop someone from going and, and making a living. It's, it's hard. But you guys have been making a great living. One of the reasons you were in that Speedo was because four or five years ago, you hit a big mark. Yeah. You've grown a bunch. You've just added domestic service. Talk to us a little bit about going from that moment to right now, building out even bigger to domestic. Yeah, so yeah, that, I think that picture was from 2016. So yeah. um, you know, Steam's as a nine-year-old business, and we've been hard at it for a long time. You all know the sort of the backstory of uh, us coming out of Access America and, and Steam. You know, really starting as a sister company of Access America. Um, once we uh, once we uh, merged Access with Coyote, we agreed to stay out of the domestic space for seven years, and so we've been kind of heads down focused on international ever since and, and scaling very quickly now. So, um, yeah, last year we had a really big year on the international side. We've just added domestic back in uh, into the mix. And so, uh, yeah, we think we're going to have another really big year. And, and I'll say this, nobody complained about that seven-year non-compete more than I did. I'll, I'll admit that. But what's neat about it is that we, it gave us the opportunity to really focus on international 
And uh, coming from where we came from, a domestic background, it's it's very difficult to get into international and be effective and really grow quickly. So it took us time to, to really get our hands around that. And now that thing is absolutely exploded and we've been able to add uh, domestic to that uh, over the last month. And, and so we really feel like we're very unique in the market. Uh, there aren't a lot of domestic brokers that have uh, a, a viable international piece, and there aren't a lot of freight forwarders out there that have a viable domestic piece. So we just feel like we're really rare in the industry, and we just have an opportunity to put put all these modes together uh, for our customer base. And 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 I'm and we think that's why we've really blown up here in the last three years. Hey, can you speak to the challenges between the two? Because I used to work for a broker, Michael Vincent. We yeah. I come from the international side. They had, I think it was called like Patriot Truck, and they had a trucking company for a little while. Mm-hmm. They offloaded it. I worked to another broker. They had a trucking company for a little while. Said, "Hey, this is e-, they offload it. It's really? not easy. Like they don't. Ne- it seems like they'd pair well next to each other, but they they don't always. And it can be challenging if you come from different worlds. How are you guys finding it? Because you already come from that domestic world. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about international, it it was a kind of learn as you go approach that we took and it was very difficult. And I think truth be told, if we could have fallen back to what we knew, which was domestic, we probably uh, would have done that, but we had no choice. And so it was sort of our burn the ships moment when we uh, when we signed that non-compete. And so we were just going to figure it out or die trying. And, And over the years, you just, you know, hopefully learn from the mistakes that you make. And uh, and we did. And, and, and as we've scaled, you know, we didn't go raise a bunch of outside capital. So this has been a real bootstrapped environment. And we sort of had to earn the opportunity to go attract better and better talent over the years as we continue to scale. And that really was the kind of tipping point for us was uh, getting uh, enough scale to attract the right kind of people uh, to come join us. And they they've made all the difference in the world. And so, you know, now we're really operating this business from a really nice position of strength on the international side so that when we just layer in this, uh, this domestic stuff that we've you know known for so long, um, it's just kind of icing on the cake instead of uh, necessarily trying to save the business from, uh, from ourselves. We've, we've kind of crossed over that already. So. Excellent. So, you know, Steve, when back in the day, like about four or five years ago, doing her, Steve, I went over to visit Steve when he, you know, got his, he had a wall about 30 feet long that had every step of the process for an international shipment. Wow. And how complicated that is. Steve, can you, can you talk about, I know you've wanted to bring in this domestic. How important is it to have this all under one roof for your customers? Door to door, you solve everything. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's unreal. And, and, on the domestic side, as, as any domestic broker that's listening to this understands, when they make a sales call uh, to someone in a shipping department, you, it's really difficult to sound unique. I'll just say that. And, and for us, we've been able to tell a different story uh, over the last month uh, on the domestic side, being able to sell the international products that we have. And, and we've walked into doors, frankly, that I would assume a lot of other domestic brokers uh, don't have an opportunity to walk into because we do have that product. Uh, and it's a very good product. Uh, so, I mean, for us, it's been, it's been a neat thing to start domestic in a very uh, unconventional way uh, with, the, with the international product behind it. From a customer service perspective, is it is it good having that control too? Because in other instances, because you know, like I noticed when I was when I was selling freight, people would just, like you're the broker, you're doing everything. Even yeah. if this is going to some other intermediary that can screw yeah. up the whole process, it doesn't matter. You're responsible at the end of the day. So having a little bit more control must be nice too. 
Yeah, I think letting the left and right hands work and sync together along these lines um, is huge. Uh, obviously, from a visibility perspective, when you think about kind of the whole continuum of service from, you know, the door in China to the customer in the United States, being able to provide that visibility from start to finish is huge. Um, and, and frankly, on the international side, we have to cross over a much bigger threshold of, of trust. Uh, you know, there's a, a little bit more of a barrier to entry on the international side, but if you do a good job, you can remain, you know, kind of sticky within that customer organization. So we've already crossed over a pretty big uh, trust threshold uh, on the international side, which makes domestic that much easier um, and, and, and customers that much more willing to uh, use us on the domestic side. Hey, and you know what your guys' superpower is? They understand Inco terms. You know how big and valuable it is in trucking? Because that oh, shows yeah. you who's responsible, and that gets to the port. And if you get some skin in the game, then you can figure out what the trucking is. You can also advise your clients on FOB, DDP, whatever they need, Michael Vincent. Yeah, you actually don't have to look that up to understand it when you're talking and, and to And you know how to sell it. both components sell. of it and yeah. how they work together. Absolutely. Guys, Steam Logistics, up to big things. Love supporting Chattanooga businesses. How do people reach out and learn more? Yeah, so uh, steamlogistics.com is the website and is really the handle for all of our social media platforms as well. I'm sure we'll see you guys at F3 November 8th to 10th, right? We will be there. We'll have a nice contingent there. Okay, beautiful, awesome. guys. And thanks, uh, hopefully guys. you'll stop by before then. Anyway, we're right down the street from you guys. But either way, thanks for joining us on this Monday. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Ooh, newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Now, this is Supply Chain Education Week on uh, What the Truck and actually Freightways Insiders, too. I've got professors, I think, on every single episode nice. of both that and this. Nice. And we're inviting the first one of those on right now. He's Chris Tang. He's a distinguished professor at the Edward W. Carter Chair in Business Administration. Oh, he's a, the Edward W. Carter Chair in Business Administration at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. Chris Tang, thank you so much for getting up early and joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, Chris, uh, t- talk to us a little bit about school first, because you're a professor over at UCLA. Last year with the pandemic, probably a little bit different curriculum you, you, had, to, uh, you had to teach, but also some great real-life examples going on of what happens in supply chain. Tell us a little bit about it. Wow, this is amazing. I have worked in this area for 30 years, and uh, really no one noticed uh, my existence of my work. But COVID changed <laughs> everything. Because that we're starting with uh, all the shortages, from toilet paper to wipes to uh, to medicine, and and later on to masks. So all of a sudden, supply chain logistics was put in the forefront of everyone's life. So we heard about all these issues every single night, and then later on about the vaccine distributions. So for last year, for, for all my teaching. Uh, it's so easy for me to explain to them why supply chain and logistics are so important because now they know that it's affecting their life. So I don't even need to do any sales pitch. They <laughs> said that we need it. That's it. <laughs> That's a great point. I wanted to ask. Yeah. So you, 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 there's a lot more light bulbs, aha moments going off in your classroom, right? Is it attracting more talent to the space as well, trying to get into your classes as well, trying to study this now? Absolutely. Uh, I think that right now, I think President Biden has really started a new movement. There are tons of billions and billions of dollars is going to reinvest into manufacturing and logistics and also 
AI such that the United States will we really regain the strength of our supply chain within the United States. So now there will be more jobs created, not just in the university, also in industry. So that ranges from electric vehicles uh, to batteries for the electric vehicles, uh, for uh, autonomous vehicles, drones, uh, and also in terms of semiconductors. And you're seeing all that stuff firsthand in Southern California with the EV and, and carbon yeah. movements over there. Right. You know, there's already measures in place by 2035 to be zero emission and all that. And you mentioned Biden, right? He's got the American Jobs Plan. It sounds like from what you're saying, you're a, a, a fan of it. Where, are you a fan of it? And where do you think that that money should go in terms of infrastructure? Very good question. I think right now the Biden side, the executive order would be many, many billions of dollars, even for the semiconductor, sorry, $50 billion. Now, this is good news, but I'm also worried about how the plan is going to be implemented or executed. Because right now, uh, there is really no one in charge in the White House who is really managing the different components of the supply chain. Uh, is it uh, Homeland Security? Is it national security issues, uh, the Department of Commerce, uh, Department of Labor Force, Department of Education? So there's really, right now, there's no concrete plan. So I met with the U.S. Senate subcommittee and I raised these questions. They need to come up with a more, uh, uh, more strategic thinking so that they build the ecosystem within the United States. That ranges from education to all the way to the truckers, because we need to end-to-end solutions. We need visibility. We need transparency. Yeah, that, uh, and I'm glad you brought up the visibility and transparency. I agree with you with the execution thing, and thanks for, for uh, volunteering. I'll let Biden know that you're the man for the job. <laughs> um, but but when you, you talk about transparency and, and, and the, the vision to be able, transparency to, to be able to see all this stuff, when we talk about a computer ship shortage, right? Now, it doesn't matter exactly how it happened, right? I mean, they shut it down because there wasn't going to be any more autos, and we're, we got a shortage now. But the issue is this. How do you continue to review our supply chains and prevent these type of disruptions uh, that may have been an obvious decision to shut down production, but want to bite us in the butt, right? How, how do you get that transparency in our, in, our, in, our, in our supply chains and our logistics? Great question. Uh, right now, I think that the Biden needs to review the supply chain structure, and, but this is not an easy task because even the companies themselves, like Ford or GM, they only have visibility for the tier one, maybe tier two suppliers, but go the, going further upstream, they don't have the visibility. So right now, I think all the companies need to do the homework first. That's point number one. Point number two is that is they need to run the stress test. That means that it's in case of different uh, uh, disruption or an anticipated event, can this supply chains be resilient in, enough to bounce back, right? So right now, there is a plan to review this, uh, the resilience of the supply chains in the United States. I think it's a good, good step, but that may expose more companies, realize that we are all very vulnerable. We have neglected these issues for the last 30 years. 
Yeah, you know, and there was that big talk in 2016. And one thing I liked about, I didn't really like the trade war, but I liked when talk of the trade war started happening in 2016 because, A, I launched a podcast and it gave me content to talk about, <laughs> but it also got people in the mainstream talking. And whenever they do that and get some thinking about supply chain, it's good for all of us as a business and it's good for business as well. But, you know, we keep hearing about nearshoring, but then, like, just recently, Foxconn, it turns out, isn't building anything near what they talked about over in Wisconsin. Mm. It constantly seems like something we're talking about. But we're not doing. How hard is it to start nearshoring here, especially when we talk about like semiconductors? That is a very difficult task. So let me, uh, well, I'm old enough. I can tell you about the history. I used to work at IBM and we made semiconductors. But then bit by bit is we outsource offshore. Then eventually 80% of the semiconductors are made overseas. United States only make 20%. Right now, we, we used to have around uh, 30 semiconductor companies to make, to make the, uh, the, the chips in-house. Right now, we're only three. There is uh, Intel. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a, a global uh, semiconductors. And also that in terms of Micron. That's it. Now, the, now we need to bring the, some of them back. But it will take years to build. To build a semiconductor plant, it takes around $20 billion in five years because the clean room requirements and the, also the, the equipment, it takes a long time to build. So this is not a short-term solution. We need a systemic long-term solution. So therefore, it's not a simple task. Right now, the $50 billion is the first step. But I think that we need to come up with a better system to make it sustainable. Otherwise, we'll repeat the history again. So actually, we have all the capabilities. But once we outsource and offshore everything, so very few students, even the university, they do this kind of research and technical training. So therefore, it's not, not just a company. We also need to get the education uh, departments, the university, the research centers to work together with the industry and also with the government. Now, government is also complicated. When we were working at IBM, we tried to expand the plant, cannot do it. You know why? It's the EPA. Mm. If you have zero contamination, to do this in a, a semiconductor plant is virtually impossible. It's very difficult. So therefore, I was asking the government to think about uh, have a dialogue, maybe of multiple parties, how we can come up with an ecosystem such that everyone can work together to rebuild the supply chain within the United States. But it will take years. Chris, you have, a, you have an amazing perspective on this, and you said it right there. A lot of this starts right with guys like you, right, with education in school, in university, mm -hmm. stressing to students this is a great career path, understanding this is vitally important, and now you could be a CSCO. We're seeing way more of those. So people who are 16-year-olds who are listening to this, all six of you, who are thinking about colleges to attend, they want to go to UCLA and they want to be taught by you. How do they, how do, they do that? Uh, that is another question. Right now, education is very expensive. So therefore, I think that the government also need to think about how to make education more affordable and accessible for the public. So that is point number one. Point number two is that is the government's subsidies, government support to public university has gone down over the last 20 years. So the university cannot provide all this training unless also the industry also help out. So also, for example, 
uh, a lot of major companies, they offshore outsource, hollow out the manufacturing sectors. Once you hollow out, the students are not going to work in this industry. They're not going to study uh, anything related to manufacturing. So we don't have the capability. Mm -hmm. So if you want to rebuild, we need everyone to really come up with a, uh, the system and everyone's on board. Stop fighting. We need to get the country moving. I, hey, little cowbell for that. I love it, Chris. Amen. Hey, I'm hey, with you. Thank you so much for educating us on this show today. If you're a student out there, you want to go to school, go apply to UCLA. Go talk to Chris. And also use great thank online you. resources like we got to. Chris, we appreciate Amen. it one more time. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Hey, then we're going to jump over to a Canadian team driver. His name is Jason. I know him on Twitter as Jason and Trigger. And we're going to find right. out what it's like being a... Because last week's story... And Jason, I don't know if you heard the story we did last week, but this, this team driver literally ran the other team driver's ass over. They got yeah, stuck in a parking his, lot. Ripped his left yeah, butt cheek ripped off. Ripped his butt cheek off. Jason, you ever been in a situation like that? No, I've never been in that situation. <laughs> I always make sure I know where my co-driver is at all times. I have left her, though. At, well, didn't leave her. She, I went in one door of a customer one day. She went in a different uh, door of a customer. And I came back in the truck. She wasn't in the truck. So I thought, okay, well, I'll drive around to the other door to see if I could find her. She came back out the door. I, the truck wasn't there. And she's, like, looking. There was another driver that was actually looking around just laughing because he's, he's seen the whole situation, just laughing at the whole situation. That was about 10 years ago. Still haven't lived it down. No, you left you left her at the store. <laughs> so she didn't try and run you down and rip your left butt cheek off. That's that's a really really good thing. Sure. <laughs> so what's it like being a uh, uh being a, a team couple on the road? I feel that honestly, and I might get a lot of flack for this, I feel it's a safer way of doing things. Most drivers, if they're single or working as a team with, you know, some somebody else that's not a, a wife or spouse or whatever. When I leave the house, I leave with my wife. I leave with my dogs. I'm leaving nothing behind. So when I'm on the road, my mind is on the road. My mind's not at home with the argument I got into my wife mm -hmm. or my kids that are, you know, having issues or anything like that. My mind is on the road, concentrating on my job at hand at all times. Now, how do you settle the the arguments? Driving can be contentious. I mean, I think that ninety nine percent of the like the arguments my wife and I get into they start yeah. while one of us is, is driving, and it's just like that that sensitivity people has when you like criticize the, the smallest movements. How yeah. do you how yeah. do you two avoid those, and how do you resolve those kind of issues when you get into an argument? And you're in that confined space. Very seldom do we get into an argument, but if it does happen, on which might happen occasions, we have a curtain between the bunks. And my wife is really good at slamming the curtain. It's not as satisfying as slamming a door, <laughs> but it <still> works. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Let's get into what you're hauling there. What's some of the weirdest stuff that you've ever hauled? Yeah, there's a tank, right? You have like a tank on your banner yeah. on your flatbed. Yeah, we've hauled, uh, we do a lot of uh, British military. Like uh, what happens is it uh, comes over on the boat to Beacon Corps, Quebec, and we'll haul it to Suffield, Alberta kind of thing. And then they'll do... Uh, because we've got the largest uh, live ammunition uh, ammunition base uh, around kind of thing. Plus, we've got all the weather. So uh -huh. a lot of the British guys come down here and train kind of thing. So we haul a lot of that back and forth. So we'll haul it from the port in Beacon Court to Suffield. They'll do their thing. Then we'll haul it all back. And we do a lot of the Canadian military stuff when they do all their war games and stuff like that. 
that's the coolest load I say we haul. Like it's just it. Uh, I love the look on kids' faces. I love the attention we get. Like when we stop and stuff, people come over, want to take pictures, want to talk about it because it's stuff that people don't see all the time. And the bonus of it all, when you usually when you have army on your deck, you go through our scale, you get green lighted just because it's one of those things of just go. Yeah. Now, when you get like a tank or a helicopter on that flatbread, you don't want that falling off behind no, you. That would be catastrophic. Not. What What are the particularities of moving that type of freight versus your, you know, your traditional 53 foot trailer? Well, you're oversized, you're heavy. Uh, so securement is, you know, you use your chains, you use your boomers. You got to make sure you've got enough chains and boomers. You got to make sure you've got them at proper angles. So you're pulling properly front and back, side to side. So nothing's going to shift. Uh, you're always checking your straps and stuff like that. Being at your wide, like that tank that you see on the picture there, we were just over 12 feet wide. Going through Ontario, your lane that you're driving in is probably 11 and a half feet wide. So you really got to watch your mirrors. You got to watch what's going on around you and just kind of be alert at all times kind of thing. Now, Jason, I was I was checking out your Twitter feed, right? And I've, I discovered that you're you're quite a um, a philosopher. A lot of philosophical, deep yeah. questions that you you have on there, and you do a lot of thinking while you're driving, obviously, and, and come up with some of these different theories. And I just wanted to to bring up the one. I was wondering if you've ever found the the answer to the question of if you're sitting around at home in your underwear, does it cease to be being underwear and just become shorts? And I'd like to maybe start a debate because I have some I, I have some thoughts on that. I know Dooner does as well. Well, I've never got a proper answer for it. Some people have suggested door pants, though, because, you know, you go to the door to get the pizza. A lot of people aren't too abused with my pineapple underpants. Oh, <laughs> well. Oh, they're pineapple. I have a shirt pants. like that. That's different. It's not the same thing. Now, pineapple on pizza. Talk about a hot-button topic. Is that what you're ordering in your pineapple pants? Well, the joke is, is pineapple goes on pizza and my butt. A lot of people disagree on both, but I've actually got pictures on Twitter in my pineapple underpants just because it's funny. I tell you, man. So, <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, what, what are some of the – we hear a lot about a lot of the issues down here in the United States for, for drivers yes. in 2021. North America, Canada is not that much different, but I'm sure there's some peculiarities, some differences. What are some of the main issues up in Canada right now for, uh, for drivers like yourself? Uh, we've had issues with uh, facilities, uh, bathrooms, uh, food, stuff like that, off and on. Like when a when a big crackdown will come down, like the the big lockdown or whatever, all of a sudden they'll lock down all the restaurants and stuff, and we will have a hard time getting food from restaurants. Um, some of the provinces, like the eastern provinces, we're not even allowed to leave our trucks, so we can't go to a grocery store. We can't get someone to come pick us up to go to a grocery store. So it makes it a little bit complicated that way. Uh, being that we've been dealing with uh, COVID for so long, a lot of the public and stuff is getting really on edge and really quite bitter and twisted about the situation. And a lot of them also have misconstrued ideas of what's going on. So you see me pull into a Walmart to grab some groceries or whatever. And this actually happened a while ago and it stuck with me for quite still is a lady rolled down her window and yelled at me, this is not a truck stop. Wow. Well, excuse me, but I still need to eat. I still need toiletries. I still need the same things you guys do going home every day. My home, you're looking at it. Well, I mean, how does she think this stuff gets on the shelves? I mean, she's probably the a stock a person. People... How does she think it gets in the back of the store? <laughs> yeah, right. People don't think of that. Until the shelves are empty, people don't think about how they get there. We're just an inconvenience. We're just in your way trying to get to get your new Frodo or whatever you want to get. 
you know, it just were and we're dangerous. Like you see, supposedly, like we just had that uh, 72 hour blitz. Well, they're going to post the numbers of how many out of service drivers there was, mm-hmm. but they won't say for what, you know, like maybe there's an out of service driver because he forgot to dot an I and cross a T. Did that make him any more dangerous than the guy that did cross the I's and T's? But they're going to see that out of 300 trucks, 150 of them were naughty. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How quickly we forget. And it's one of those things that I was really hoping would stick around a lot longer. You're starting to see it dissipate is the respect and the admiration for people like yourselves that put it out on the line every day, moving the stuff around the countries that we need to yeah. keep ourselves alive. Is there a shortage you guys up in Canada? We keep hearing in the U.S. bonuses keep getting keep moving up as uh you know, the CDL schools, a lot of them down here were closed last year. I imagine Canada was quite the same. A lot of drivers left the industry in March through May when when rates tanked over here. And it's, it's been a little bit difficult getting drivers to come back into the fold down here in the U.S. I feel that it's not a driver shortage. It's a driver not wanting to do it anymore. Yeah. With the way the, the industry has changed, the way the, you know, just uh, some of the things that are got brought in, like some of the legislature like I believe in laws and I believe in safety and I believe they have to be there. A lot of it is getting going too far. Like e-logs, for instance, I know there's complaints both ways and I'm not saying, well, I can't drive as many miles in a day because I don't have e-log. My thing is, is a computer can't tell me when I'm tired. A computer can't tell me when I'm safe to drive. I know that as a bo- as my body and I got to be able to maintain that. So by putting e-logs in a truck, by putting cameras in a truck, watching people, you know, all day driving, you know, having satellite tracked, 90% of truck drivers do it because they can't stand having someone looking over their shoulder all day long. They want to do their thing, do their job and get it done. Well, with having cameras and having e-logs, my dispatcher knows how fast I'm going, where I'm going, whether my PTO is kicked in, how long I've been sitting somewhere, how many hours I got left, you know. They know everything kind of thing, and they can watch me scratch my butt all day long, you know, and it's just one of those things where I, you know, truck drivers don't want it. And the older school truckers are like, no, I'm not having that anymore. Yeah, that's a great point. It's sort of an erosion of the identity of what a trucker even yeah. is and the allure and the, the freedom of the road and all of those kind of things that are romanticized and attractive about mm, the business. Very true are being removed. And like we've always said, it's not a driver short, it's a pay shortage. And, and you're seeing it at fast food places now. You're seeing it yeah. at things. And if you're a driver, there's brokers out there that are starting like at entry, they're going to pay you 70, 75,000. So for a lot of drivers, why drive behind the wheel and, and be away from wherever you live for all the time? Why not just go be a broker? I mean, there's just, it, it's tougher and tougher to find talent. Hey man, we really appreciate you coming on the show today, letting us inside the cab here in a little bit about how team drivers work people want to find you on twitter um and follow uh, your career path a little bit where do they go uh well jason and trigger or uh billy big rig on uh twitter and of course i gotta give a shout out to bambino cattle co oh yeah guys, it's bambino <laughs> you know yeah, if you want to follow me go ahead follow me you know i got a lot of humor on there i like to have a lot of fun you know my stuff is usually not too serious yeah, you know, I get serious occasionally, but most of it is just fun and just stupid things that, you know, just to get people thinking, kind of chuckling, taking their mind off of what's going on in the world kind of thing. And it just takes them off into a whole different world. Hey, we appreciate it. Thank you once again, Jason. All right. You guys take it easy. Take care. Hey, awesome. what, we got so many different perspectives today. And that's one of yeah. the things, like not to toot my own, our own what the truck horn, but I love that we can talk to a distinguished professor. 
We can talk to the CEO and president of a logistics company. Yep. We can talk to a single tanker driver. Yep. We can talk to a team driving couple. Absolutely. And we can talk to Mr. Supply Chain. <laughs> and then there's Daniel Stan. <laughs> yeah. He's a big deal. Let's hit the music. <laughs> big deal. Little deal. All right, dude. An Ohio politician's fake Zoom background <laughs> couldn't hide the fact that he was driving. Is that a big deal or a little deal? <laughs> wow. How do they tell? How could you ever tell? I, I don't know. If you haven't seen the video, you gotta, because he's like driving his desk around, right? He's looking, he obviously stops at a couple stop signs, looks left and right before proceeding with his desk down the road. You can see a car going out of his ear. <laughs> it disappears every <laughs> once in a while. On. <laughs> that was like, the, I, it was, I, I forget which comedy show. Maybe it was Mad TV. Maybe it was <laughs> SNL. By the way, it was so funny. Everyone was like, all the Zoomers on, on yeah. Twitter were like, how do I find SNL? Like, how do you even I gotta make an appointment to watch a show. <laughs> so it's on at 1130 exactly. I gotta be there at 1130. <laughs> yeah, I, it, 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 I think it's a little deal. It's hilarious though. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's hilarious though. Why didn't he just like my it. question is why didn't he just go? Well, he in was doing mode? it was obviously hands free. Why'd he try and fake it? I, he I thought he was so clever. <laughs> he thought, thought he was so but then he I got caught. He did get flew caught. too close <laughs> to the sun. Uh, I we should get seatbelts for our chairs here. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. All right, big deal, little deal there, Dooner. West Midlands train workers were sent an email promising of a bonus, right, for their hard work during the pandemic? Yeah. Awesome. They're getting a a bonus, my man. It's awesome. However, after they clicked on the link in the email uh, that they wrote, said, this was a test designed by our IT team to entice you to click the link, used uh, both the promise and thanks for financial reward. Uh, They were phishing them. They're testing them. So it's a phishing simulation that they had going on. It was right? a phishing, phishing uh, simulation. Let me get this straight. They sent them an email. Yep. You open up the email, and it, it looks like it's from your company, and it, it says you've got a bonus. Yep. And you click on the link, and then it automatically sends you back an email saying you're busted? You're busted for clicking a link. Yeah, because it's phishing. That's terrible in a couple ways. For one, it gets everyone's hopes like helps up they're going to get a bonus, yeah. right? They yeah. see that. It's Yeah. And I, I look, I can understand what IT is thinking, but I feel like this is just an abuse of expectation yeah. that you're doing to people here. Yeah. And you shouldn't use something that could be, like, realistic and be, be taken that way. Yeah, exactly. It's getting tougher and tougher to find talent. You know, we always talk about, like, uh, nearshoring and all of these things, right? We can't get people to work at, like, uh, the McDonald's on the street. They're like, That's right. big bonus to join there, big there. Yep. Everyone's fighting against the, the, the cost of minimum wage. But, look, we've got to have people work, right? People yes, are not do. willing to work unless you pay them X amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be less willing to work. I mean, I don't know how competitive the trade market is, but if someone sent me that, I would start working on my resume, and I'd be like, yeah, from this com- from that company. I mean, that's not it. I mean, the thing is, it looks like it's from your company. It's a regular email, yeah. uh, but it's not quite right. That's the training that we get here. Yeah, right. We get training all the time, and it's excellent training. Never do this. This is crazy. But again, even with the pipeline ransomware attack, that's fine. But you don't have to use something like a bonus that just gives it. Yeah. It ticks people in the right way, and then it ticks them off in the wrong way when they realize what you just did. Yeah, there's just something like very. And they like you can take the if you take the emotion out of the situation, you go, hey, maybe that was a good test. However, we're dealing with human beings and we take things like that personally. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big deal. I don't think you should do that to people. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. I agree. What do you got? I just gave you. What was it? Um, what do you got? West Midlands train. Oh, it's OK. Oh, it's my turn. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm totally lost here. What Dude, the got? Charlotte Observer reports a man hiking. I Next time you. I do that, just I dare take you to mine. Ask just me. take mine. Just we'll get out of order. <laughs> no. All right. Dude, the Charlotte Observer reports a man hiking a Missouri trail was shot over the weekend by a hunter who mistook him for a turkey. 
that a big deal or a little deal? Wow, you know, this is one that I really want to make fun of. The guy actually was in critical condition, yeah. right? Not good, life-threatening shot, right? And, uh, you know, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. It was an organized turkey shoot that was by this jogging trail, or on this jogging trail. Why would you put on a trail? jogging trail? Well, that's what I think is the big deal is, is hello, why, why are you having uh, hunters out there actually shooting turkey Yeah, uh, near a, a, what is described as a very popular Missouri trail? And, I mean, it's like moments after the guy was shot, the, the paramedics were still there taking care of this guy. Right? Yeah. He hadn't been, and somebody jogs up behind him. Wow. Hello? Yeah. I think I, it's a big deal, man. So do, do I got to keep my head on? Like, I, there's so many trails here in Chattanooga. If you haven't been to Chattanooga, come here November 8th to 10th. Come to F3. Go to live.freightways.com. Use promo code WTT. You'll save yourself $200. Uh, but not to distract myself with a little, <laughs> little plug right there. But there's a lot of hiking trails here in Chattanooga is what I'm trying to get at. And I go yes. with my family. Do I got to look out for, like, hunters trying to? Like, what did he just heard a leaf rustle and he took a shot? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, the guy was dressed like a turkey. If he was, I, I don't know, man. It, it's a, uh, it's a big deal just because it's, it's uh, I mean, the guy was shot and he organized it right there. But anyway, yeah. hey, listen to this. I think we got pictures. We may have pictures of this one. What happened here? Georgia police pulled over a semi for inspection and why pulling over, uh, pulling him over. That happened. The wood came sliding forward, misshifted, drumming into the back of the back of the tractor right there. Um, Big deal, little deal. I mean, look, if you want to argue against road check week all you want, and, you know, I know our last guest did, and he's like, well, it would help. But he didn't argue against it. He's just like, it would help in the data if we knew what the incidents entailed, yeah, right? Yeah, people are going to read the headline yeah. and assume the worst. And, right? so, yeah. and he doesn't like the data being skewed by some of the minorest of infractions. Right. That is a much bigger infraction. Wood is incredibly expensive right now. You can't just let it get damaged like that by not strapping it. <laughs> no, it's also very dangerous. It, look, if he had more force there, it could have gone through the cab. It could have well, killed yeah, this that's driver. The thing. Those two by four, if he's driving on a road, it's 75 miles an hour yeah. slams on a brake. That thing's come right through the back of the cab and nail them in the back of the head. Those now we've got missiles. a really big... Oh, yeah. And then Absolutely. if the, the bulking that's holding that bindle together breaks, then you have wood going all over the place. It, that, that's, a, that's not... I mean, that's why they do the safety week. That's exactly why they do it, right? Then you got wood everywhere and you got an accident. It's like we talked about on Friday, the plastic rolls that came out of the side of the tractor or the trailer. Yeah. That, that accident there. Yeah, big deal. We're like soothsayers up here, aren't we? Like, oh, we yeah. always talk about these things and they, we were talking about ransomware and then a big ransomware attack happened. Maybe we're, ca- we're not causing it, are we? I don't know. That'd be weird. It's not not us, is it? (laughs) Hey, you know what is us? Live at home. That's coming up in May. (laughs) When is that? When is live at home? That's May. um, Yeah, check it out. I know Shelly Simpson is the speaker over there. It's May 19th to 20th. It's our next virtual event. It's a big time two-day event covering all the supply chain. We'll be doing what the trucks from there. We'll be doing all sorts of sessions from there. F3, like we mentioned. What truck newsletter out tomorrow? Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. You'll get subscribed to that, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Follow me on Twitter, at Timothy Dude. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love, everyone. Spread it everywhere.